It's Sunday morning, and we are in a series on the charismatic movement. That is, a bunch of men and women that are out here preaching, and they are con artists. People like Kenneth Copeland, Fred Price, Creflo Dollar, Jesse Duplantis, Benny Hinn, Joyce Myers, and many more. They're not teaching death to self, daily cross, self-denial, suffering for righteousness' sake. They're not teaching that that we have to suffer for the Lord and go through tribulation. As Paul said when he said we must do much tribulation, enter the kingdom of God. They're, the word charismatic comes from the word charis, which is the word grace. And these people say that God has been gracious to them and given them special gifts. They say they can speak in tongues, which they can't. That's not going on now. And they say they can heal people. And they'll come up and say, well, I'm not healing them. We just pray for them. And you have to accept your healing. You can't receive a healing. Every time the Bible says, thy faith has made thee whole, the word whole is sozo every time. And it's the word saved. Faith saves. It doesn't heal anybody. Proof of that is everyone who dies of old age dies of a disease. Uh, Kenneth Hagin died of heart disease. Uh, Jan Crouch died of heart disease. Paul Crouch died of congestive heart failure. Uh, Oral Roberts died of pneumonia. Why is it these great famous healers couldn't be healed? Your body gets old, disease takes over, and you die. That's what happens. Now, I'm going to go back and cover something because I want to show you how you can look things up in the Bible. Uh, I'm going to go back and cover 3 John 2 because I've got much more to say on it. 3 John 2 says, Beloved, this is one of their favorite verses. Beloved, I wish above all things. Key words there, above all things. Now, what do you think God wishes for above all things more than anything else? Above all things. Do you think God wants above everything for you to have money? That's not true. Do you think God wishes above all things that you might have physical health? That's not true. You're going to die one day of a disease. Uh, Give these folks that just come in one of these papers. And one over here. I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper. Now, I gave you a paper that's about this. Prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. That word prosper, they tell people, these people I mentioned, that you have to uh, plant your seed, and they call the Word of God seed. Well, it's not seed. Uh, The Word of God is the seed. The seed is the Word of God. That's not mask. That's that's not neuter gender, which 
Money is neutered gender. And uh, the word is Christ. If you plant seed, you plant the word of God with people. Now, they say that prosper means money. Prosper is the word E-U-O-D-O-O. Health is the word H-U-G-I-A-I-N-O. Now, this word prosper, U-O-D-O-O, I gave you this paper. The front page of the paper, when you look up the word prosper in Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, this is a Strong's right here. Strong's. You li- every word in the Bible is listed alphabetically in it. And all you have to do is look up the word alphabetically. And it will give you a number beside the word. And then it will tell that number. If it's an Old Testament verse, it will be back here in the Hebrew dictionary in the back. If it's a New Testament word, it'll be in the new in the Greek dictionary in the back, and you look it up. If you want to know how many times that word is mentioned and what it is in every given verse, you need something called a word study concordance. You take your Strong's number and you look it up in here. Now I gave you a paper. And it shows you on the front of the paper. You see down there 2137 on the front of your paper down at the bottom. See 2137? That's the Strong's number of Prosper. And it's mentioned. And See that? You see this uh, right up there in the right-hand corner. Right beside 2137, there's a number four. Do you see that? Can you see that? That means this word, uadao, they've got it, uadao, mai, M-A-I, is an addition to the end of a word depending on some character of the word. So this this word, uadao, is mentioned four times in the New Testament. What it actually means, it comes from U, E-U, I'll put it up here, E-U, and Hodos. That will tell you that in your Strong's. It will say it comes from these two words in the Strong's. In fact, it's got it right here. You see that you go over to the edge of the paper and it says 2095 and 3598. You see that? That bit means it comes from those two words. One is the word you and the other is the word hodos. Hodos is the common Greek word for way. Way or journey. And you means well. Well or good. You see you and on you, you, eulogy. A eulogy is when you go into a funeral or a church and you say a eulogy over a person for their life. And you means well. Logos is the word 
Eulogy means well words or well logos. Logos is the word word. Now, I want us to go and look where we... I wish above all things that they may prosper and be in health, even as I so prosperous. Let's look at the first time this word Uadao is mentioned over, and it says it right at the top of that 2137, Romans 1.10. This doesn't have anything to do with money. 1.10, making requests, this is what we're supposed to do, if by any means how at length I might have a prosperous journey. If you'll notice, have a prosperous journey is one word in the Greek. It's the word euodao or euhodos. And it means a well way. That's what it means. It doesn't mean money at all. Now, if you can find a strong a uh, excuse me a word study concordance they quit printing these uh, you can probably find one on the internet they are excellent because they'll tell you every time a word is mentioned and when it's mentioned it might have many different English words to it you can look up the word waiver and the man that wavers, don't let him think he'll receive anything from God. That's the word diacrino. Also, the word stagger in Romans, the fourth chapter, is the word diacrino. And, and it's also the word doubt in doubt, stagger, waver, are all the word diacrino when you find doubt over there in Mark eleven twenty three. So when you look these words up, they don't mean what these people are saying. Now, look here and let's look another one of these up. Now, it means well way. Look at 1 Corinthians 16 and 2. I want you to be able to learn this. The way you prove these people are wrong, you look up what it means. 1 Corinthians 16 and 2. Now this is talking about taking offerings for the poor. That's what it's talking about. And uh, 1 Corinthians 16 and 2. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by in store, as God hath prospered him, that there may be there may be no gatherings when I come. The word prosper there is talking about the way your the way that your well way has brought about in your life, you don't. It doesn't say. It doesn't say as God has made you rich. That's not what it's talking about. Whatever prosperity in the sense of a good way that you're in, give according to that. And let's look at that other verse. Uh, well, we only got three times. Uh, this is we only got four times. Excuse me. Uh, I only got three times here. I was thinking there's one other time. Now, look on the back of that. Look at the back of this. On the second page. Second page. This is every time. That word prosper means well way. It doesn't mean money. Now, when you see 
3598 down here on your paper here. 3598 is the word hodos. That's the word well way. Well, there's two ways, a narrow way, a narrow way, and a broad way. The narrow way, few find the narrow way that leads to eternal life. And many go into the broad way. That word way is hodos. Narrow way is the narrow hodos. So, if you want to find out about this term way, then you go through this. You see, uh, I I marked mine in yellow all the way to the top. All these words are forms of hodos. In fact, I put down there at the bottom, I put hegeomai, and I put 2233. When you look up here at 3595, uh, it says it comes from 3598 and 2233. Can you see that? So I put 2233 down here. Hegeomai, which is a form of ago, A-G-O. A-G-O means to lead. Remember, I've given you epikoregeo, A-P-I-C-H-O-R-E-G-E-O. That is the word add, besides all diligence, besides all this, give all diligence, add to your faith, is a form of epi and koros. And ago. Ago means to lead. Koros is a is a circular dance, and a dance leader is a choreographer. You get choreography from this. And epi means to superimpose upon your life. So you're going to find this prefix ago on a lot of words in your if you begin to find out the construction of the words of the Greek language, it's not as hard as what you think. Now, uh, let me give you... Then when you look at 4198 that I've got on the very bottom of your paper, if you'll notice up here, in 3596, it's a, it's called hodo, which is hodos, poreo, so it comes from 3598 and 4198. So 4198 is poreomai. It means to travel or to take a journey or walk. So when you look at Hodo Poreo, they went on their journey in Acts 10.9 under that 3596. When you look at Hodo Hodeo go Hodeo goes. That is the word leaders, guide, guide. It's talking about who's leading you in the narrow way. And then when you look at Hodeo Geo up there, thirty-five ninety-four, it means to lead. This has to do with leading us in the right way. It has to do with you hodos. It doesn't have to do with what these people are saying. This doesn't sound like it has anything to do with money, does it? Nothing. 
It's talking about walking the straight and narrow way. And when you look at the very top of the page, 3593, hoduo means journeyed. It has to do with journey there in Luke 10, 33. Now, down here at 3598, every time the word hodos is in the Bible, it's under 3598. Every time it's in there. So, I'm just going to read a couple of those to you. When you look at Matthew 3 and 3, you can see that. I put a line under it. Prepare you the way of the Lord, make his path straight. That's the narrow way. That's the prosperity of God. It's not money. And then you see 7, 13, and 14 of Matthew. Straight is the gate. Broad is the way that leads to eternal life, and few find it. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, many go in there at. Narrow is the way that leads to life, and few find it. And you go on down here to um, Mark 1 and 2. The Bible says in Mark 1 and 2, the beginning of the gospel is prepare ye the way. So when you're talking about the narrow way, that's the beginning of the gospel and everything that the gospel is. Then I'm not going to. There was a blind man in Mark 10, down here at the bottom of your page on the left. Mark 10 and 46. A blind man was sitting by the highway side begging. That word highway is the word hodos. That's the word that they use, simple word for a highway, a road, or a street. Now, that's what the Lord is wishing for us. And he says up there on the top of the page, prepare you to prepare his ways in Luke 8 and 4, prepare you the way of the Lord. Now, look down here. I'll give you something that's interesting. Jesus said in John 14 and 6, on the right of your page, about one-third of the way down, John 14 and 6, what he says in John 14 and 4, and the way and the way or the hodos, you know. He t- he's talking to the apostles. This is where I've said that Jesus said, I am the way. There's a different spelling on it because it's feminine gender. When he says the way you know, it's feminine gender. Then he says, in John 14 and 6, right down there, about a third of the way down, I am the feminine way, the truth, and the life. What does he mean, I am the way and its feminine gender? He's talking to the nucleus of the church, the wife, the bride of Christ. I'm the way that's in your heart. I just told you, and the way you already know. And then you go on down here. I'm going to read one. Let's go to Acts 9. Turn over to Acts 9. And look at this. The followers of Christ in the first century were said to be in that way. They actually called being in Christ the way. Acts 9. Acts 9 is where Paul is being struck down on the Damascus Road, and he's killing people. Acts 9, 
And let's read, let's read down to this. Start in verse 1. And Saul, breathing out threatenings and slaughter. Now, this is the Apostle Paul before he was converted. He's about to be converted on the Damascus Road. That word slaughter is the word phonos, P-H-O-N-O-S. It's the word murder. He said, I was murdering Christians for a living. I was sent there as a Pharisee to bring certain Christians back so they could be put to death. And breathing threatenings and slaughters against the disciples of the Lord went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues that if he found any of this way. Ah, they called following Christ that way, this way. If I found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound in Jerusalem so they could kill them in Jerusalem. Now, I just, that's one of my favorite verses on the way. Look at Acts 16, verse 17. That's about the midway down. At midway down, Acts 16, 17. I've got a line under it. 16 and verse 17. I hope I can help you to understand how to study your Bible. 16 and verse 17. Now Paul is he's uh, at Ephesus He's outside, and he's on a creek bank, and he runs into Lydia, and she's a seller of purple. To be a seller of purple, you had to be making a lot of money because the only people that could wear purple were the kings and the princes, people who had a lot of money. Where they got the purple dye, they got them from a mollusk, M-O-L-L-O-L-L. USK. Moloch is a little shellfish, and they had they had to get them off the coast of Tyre. That's what we call Lebanon, and it would take thousands of mollusks to dye one garment. That's why when uh, it would be right off the coast of Tyre and Sidon. God evidently set that up for for us to be able to read. When you find all the goodies of the Babylonian system in the 18th chapter of Revelation, it will say, well, look at it real quick. Look at the 18th chapter. We'll come right back here. And people are not even going to know what this is about unless they know that you had to be rich to have a purple garment. You couldn't just wear one. If you got caught by the law wearing a purple garment, they'll say, where did you get this? Whose does this belong to? Especially if you were poor, they would accuse you of stealing it and put you in jail. And here in the 18th chapter, 
the Bible's giving us all the goodies of the Babylonian system. I'm going to start reading here in verse 10. Standing afar off, they see the smoke of the burning of Babylon. That's the downfall of the world beast system, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come, and the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise any more. This is when the world system goes bankrupt. The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearls and fine linen and purple. Why purple? It was very expensive to buy a purple garment. Now let's go back over here. Gives you a list of all the good things. Then, and it would take maybe 10,000, maybe more. They'd, each one of those little models would have a drop or two of purple dye in it. And they'd have to kill it and take that dye out. And it would take thousands of those mollusks to dye one garment. Now, Lydia is a seller of purple. Here she is. Look at verse 14 of chapter 16. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, one thing you can be sure of, she was making a lot of money for her day and time. She's a seller of purple. The Bible specifically says that to let you know this woman has a good living. And she turns it all loose so she can follow Christ and follow Paul and his teachings. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened. I love that. God opened her heart. She didn't open her own heart. That she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, I believe she's baptized by the Spirit, is what she's baptized by. Now, look here, and let's read on. When she's baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which were brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way, the hodos of salvation. So, you got to be aware. That's good to keep that paper with you so you can see this. Then look at 22, chapter 22, verse 4. I love this also. 22. Paul is standing. This is his missionary journeys are over. And he's standing here before he's being taken by the Jews and then he's going to be taken and taken before these kings like Agrippa and Governor Festus. And he says here in 22 and 4, this is Paul talking. I persecuted persecuted this way, this hodos 
unto death. They called the believers that they were walking in the way, though does. So when John is wishing for guys, is the narrow way, the well way, as opposed to the broad way. I've been meaning to go through these things. And then 26 and 13, 26. You've got all those. You can look at them yourself. 26 and 13. This is Paul talking to Agrippa. He was a Herod. They were false kings in Israel. At midday, O king, I saw in the way when I was traveling towards Damascus a light from heaven above the brightness. That word way, he's saying, I was going down this road and I saw in the middle of this road the way. He saw saw a bright light. Now, look at Romans 3, 17. You know, I'm trying to be real elementary in showing you how to study the Bible. You got to get definitive, get defined with the words. You want to find out, don't just use your concordance, get a word study concordance. And if you can't find a word study concordance, since they don't print them anymore, you've got, you got this Greek English lexicon. It has basically the same thing in it. And you can get an English lexicon, and it's got the basically the same thing. The word study concordance has a little more in it. It'll tell you how many times these words are used. It won't say the same thing. It will have them all listed in the Englishman's concordance. So you can get either one of them. Now, where was I going to take you to? Romans, okay, Romans 3, Romans three sixteen. Three. now he's talking about evil men and their ways, their hodos, the one they, their, their broad way that leads to destruction. Because he just got through saying, there's none righteous, not one. There's none that understandeth, and there's none that seeketh after God in verses 10 and 11. They are all going out of the way, talking about evil men. They're, to get, they're all together, become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. This The poison of asps under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursings and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their broad ways. It just says ways, but it is the broad way. You understand that? So way is a common term for road, journey, highway. You can read the rest of these yourself. You can pick out certain ones. Uh, Revelation 15 and 3 says, Just and true are your ways, Lord. So the ways of God are just, decay, or decayao, means 
to render innocent and just and true alatheis that's the ways of god you have to be in truth to get the prosperity of god i've been meaning to give you this whole thing now what i'm doing i'm teaching i hope that is that of help some help a little where you can take this and look at the ways and it doesn't has nothing to do with money nothing besides that israel was a poverty-stricken nation in the time of christ they were destitute they were like going down to mexico or guatemala and then some preacher saying you can be rich here in guatemala no you can't not unless you're a drug dealer it's just it's ignorant to say what these guys have said now i'm going to get back to where i was last week I've been talking about how the charismatics lie. I hope you can see how they lie when it comes to the narrow way. Now, I gave you a paper, and I got to a point in the paper, and I'm not through with it. See if I can find mine. Here it is. Now, I got down to this. We talked about the man born of four. That's born of four is one of the is one of the uh, it's on the third page. The man born of four there in Mark the second chapter when Jesus said he saw their faith and he said thy sins be forgiven thee. Well, the scribes said who can forgive sins but God? And Jesus looked at the scribes and said that you may know he's talking to the scribes that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the sick of the palsy, he turned around to his side and said, Sir, rise up and walk. He healed the man, not because of the man's faith, but to prove who he was to the scribes. And Kenneth Copeland will say, he received his healing. He didn't receive anything. These people that Jesus healed were elect. He didn't heal some guy so he could get up on his feet and go out and start cheating and lying again. I don't believe he healed anybody. That was an unbeliever. Now let's go over here. I'm going to give you some more things where they're talking about about things that it's not talking about. Go over here to Matthew, the 8th chapter. I believe we need to know this. A lot of people are not even familiar with Kenneth Copeland and Fred Price and Creflo Dollar. They never watch the TV concerning these people. They're con artists in the name of Jesus. They are legal crooks. What do you mean legal crooks? They hide behind their tax tax exempt shelters. Yes, sir, they do. It's a license to steal, like Ken said. It's what it is. You've got to be honest when you have a ministry, and most of these preachers aren't. Now, now you hear Kenneth Copeland preach. Kenneth, I mention him so much. He's the daddy of that movement now. I don't know if you know that. Kenneth Copeland was uh, a pilot for Oral Roberts for years. He flew him around the country. And Copeland is, uh, was uh, the fair-haired boy of Oral Roberts. 
it was because of Kenneth Copeland that Jesse Duplantis, Creflo Dollar, Fred Price, uh, Rod Parsley, and directly T.D. Jakes came in. They all have this prosperity gospel and they're stealing the poor people blind, stealing from them in the name of Jesus. I don't like anybody who steals from the poor. We give to the poor every month. When I say we give to the poor, when I'm walking through the checkout counter, someone says, do you want to give to drug awareness? I say, no, I've got my own poor people. I give away about $2,000 a month in our ministry to the poor. If I give any more, it's going to be to them. I know where it's going. In case you don't know that, don't give to to those people who are taking money for the poor because... You can go online and look at all the scam artists. And when you give to the poor, only about 11 cents out of every dollar you give is going to go to those people. Most of it goes, there's too many hands from that, there's too many hands from that checker all the way to wherever that's supposed to go. You remember Larry Jones? Larry Jones, Feed the Children. Well, the guy was a crook, but he looked real gentle, real calm, and he'd come on real quiet, and he bought, he was buying brand new cars for his kids, bought a million and a half, two million dollar house out in Los Angeles area, and the guy was crooked. Don't give to people. I know who I give to. It's going to be the poor and the needy here. Now, let's go over here to the eighth chapter. The 8th chapter of Matthew, I'm taking my time to help you see things about the Bible. You can't listen to these charismatics. They're the biggest bunch of con men. I don't see how some people will buy into that. And then I stop and think, you know why they buy into it? Because poor people are looking for an answer, a way out. And they will buy into these charismatics like Copeland and Joyce Myers and these people. They're thieves. Before I read this to you, before I read this, I want to read a verse to you that condemns these people. Look at Deuteronomy 22. Deuteronomy 22. I quote this to you, but I want you to read it with me and see what it says. Deuteronomy 22. Now let's start here in let me see here. Oh, not 22, 23. Deuteronomy 20. I'll get it in a minute. Oh, huh? Exodus, what am I thinking of? Exodus 22, excuse me. Sometimes my mind goes haywire. Exodus 22. This will tell you what God has to say to Kenneth Copeland when he gets to the judgment. Exodus 22. And starting here in verse... 
Let's start in 21. This is words of God through Moses to Israel. Verse 21. Thou shalt neither vex a stranger nor oppress him, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Ye shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. If thou afflict them in any wise, and they cry it all unto me, I will surely hear their cry, and my wrath shall wax hot, and I will kill you with the sword. And your wives and your wives shall be widows, and your children fatherless. If you oppress the poor by telling them, send your money to me like these charismatics do, I'm going to kill you. Now, God may wait till the judgments to kill them, but he'll kill them permanently in hell forever. I do not believe those people are believers at all. They have no daily cross, no death to self, no self-denial. Now, go over here to Matthew 8. This is another favorite verse of the charismatics. Jesus is coming off of the mountain. He's up in northern Israel, and he's on a mount. Matthew Matthew 5 through Matthew 5 through 7. This is called the Sermon on the Mount. Now, here is some things that they say about this. This is the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit. Beatitudes. The B, blessed, the blessed attitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are the merciful, and so forth. Jesus is coming off of the mountain in Matthew 8, and he runs into a a man who is who's got leprosy verse 1 when he had come down from the mountain great multitudes followed him behold there came a leper and worshipped him saying Lord if thou wilt thou canst make me clean what he said, if you, Thalo. Thalo is a form of Thalema, T-H-E-L-E-M-A. Thalema means determine. Or determination. If you determine this, you can make me clean. If it is your will. He didn't say, I receive my healing. I, by my faith, I believe you're going to make me clean. He said, if it's what you want. First of all, what was this man believing? He was believing that Jesus was God. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him saying, I will. It is my will to do it. Be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Don't go telling people this man received his healing. He didn't receive anything. 
He just said, I believe you can do it if that's what you want to do. And then Jesus said unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way. Show thyself to the priest and offer the gift or the sacrifice that's required that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. So the man didn't receive anything. Jesus just looked at him. The same thing he said about the man in Mark, the second chapter. When he saw their faith, he said, your sins be forgiven you. Faith saves. It doesn't heal anybody. Then when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him. A centurion was a man that was ahead of at least a hundred soldiers. This was a Roman soldier of some sort. And this man evidently believes God. There came unto him a centurion beseeching him, saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. Now, whose will is it to come and heal him? Did the man say, would you come heal my servant? He didn't say that. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou should come under my roof, but speak the word from where you stand. Speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. He said, he, the man was saying, if you want to heal him, you can do it from where you stand. You don't have to come to my house. And Jesus said, this is some of the greatest faith I've ever seen. For I am a soldier under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say unto this man, go, and he goeth. And to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said unto them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in all of Israel. When you just said to me, you can heal him from where you stand, since you're God. And I say unto you, that many shall come from the east and the west, and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. If you'll notice something there, he says, they're in heaven now, and they'll come and sit with them. Now, let's go on further on this paper. There's a verse over in Deuteronomy. I don't know if I've given this to you yet. Deuteronomy, the eighth chapter. This is another one of the verses where they twist these verses and say God wants everybody rich God don't want everybody rich if I believed what they believe I would go to Bangladesh I would just tell everybody in Bangladesh walk up and down the streets say all you have to do is say it with your mouth and you're going to get it the mouth doesn't make anything happen you cannot change the will of God God has declared the end from the beginning from the beginning and ancient times from ancient times here you are in life you and from ancient times everything that's not yet done saying my counsel shall stand 
and I will do all my pleasure. Well, this right here is a car wreck. God's declared that. Uh, this is where you had to go to the hospital because you had an infection. This is where you lost your car, lost car. This is where you're behind on your house. This is where your brothers and sisters hate you because you say uh, Christmas is pagan and uh, God does not love everybody. And the list goes on and on. And God has declared all of that, everything that goes on in your life. If we can get that in our head as believers, if we can get it in our head that God's doing everything, we would stop worrying, wouldn't we? Huh? If we we believe that, but is there anybody here that stresses? <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> I've done that in my life too. As I'm getting old, I'm really coming to the place realizing I don't have that much longer to live. Why am I going to stress out over something that doesn't matter? It just doesn't matter. If God is in charge, do you think he's going to let you starve to death? Is that what you think? I don't think so. Now, go over here to Deuteronomy 8. Have I brought this out yet? I brought it out in some series before. Deuteronomy, the 8th chapter. And this is a verse that all the charismatics use, and they read it out of the 18th verse. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. They say, see, God has given you power to get wealth. He's not talking about that in a good way. He's talking about it in a condemning way. Because they're coming out of 40 years in the wilderness, and they've had all of these miracles in the wilderness. In fact, if you go back to verse 4, when you're in the... Well, go back to verse 3. He humbled you in the wilderness, suffered thee to suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna. Manna came in the morning. They had doves in the evening. There were two and a half million people out there in the desert together. How can God feed all of them? Well, he did. How can he give them enough water? He'd have to, when Moses would speak to the rock or strike the rock and the water would come forth, it had to be a river of water for, it wasn't just a little trickle, it had to be a gigantic rushing of water, it had to had to be something that looked like a flood to give two and a half million people enough to drink and so forth which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone. That was quoted by Jesus when Satan came and tempted him in Luke the fourth chapter and in Matthew the fourth chapter. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Thy raiment wax not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell for 40 years. And they were in 120 and 25 degree heat. And their feet didn't swell up. They had a cloud by day and a fire by night. They had doves and 
they had manna and they had everything they needed and they could conquer their enemies as long as they were obedient to God now let's go on up here to verse 11 beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God and not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this day lest when thou hast eaten and art full when you got plenty you know what a man has to be to serve God he has to be poor in spirit blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God P-T-O-C-H-O-S it means emptied out you have to be emptied of self to be hungry for God. If you're full and you got all you want and all you need and all you can eat and you got all of the goodies of this world, why do you need God? You don't, do you? All these stars, do they need God? They don't need Him. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, to them riches was not money. A man was considered rich if he had a house with a dirt floor and a fig tree outside and he had one donkey, he was considered rich. And when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God. When you get everything you want, you don't need God, do you? Now, that's a very convicting verse there. See, they don't go back and read this. The charismatics don't which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents, scorpions, and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not. The reason it says fathers knew not, the word manna is the word mon. M-A-W-N it means what is it? Because when they walked out that in the 16th chapter of Exodus and they looked down at the manna they said what is it? And God says that's what we'll call it mon manna what is it? Sometimes Mary's cooking I said what are you cooking? She says manna then he might prove thee t- and do thee good at thy latter end, and thou say in thine heart, My power and mine hand hath gotten me this wealth, and thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. The word wealth is kail, C H I Y I L, kail. Kail doesn't mean money. The majority of the time it's used in the Old Testament, it's the word virtue or army or something that has to do with conquering other people. The Bible says that if Israel 
would keep God's statutes and commandments, they could go against their enemy one way, and their enemies would flee seven ways. That's what this word, Kayil, is talking about. That he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. See, they forget to read all the rest of this. Now, I want to go to the next thing on this list. This is this paper I gave you a couple weeks ago. All right. I want to go over here to Mark 12. This is where that John Abanzini, just a crook. I don't know why he dyes his hair pitch black, because he's got face. He's got a face with ruts so deep in it, you could plant corn. And he gets pitch black hair and a ruddy face, and he says he's going to preach this uh, prosperity gospel. He says he's going to preach the hundredfold faith. I'm going to go into that in a minute. All right. Here in uh, Mark 12. Now, I've told you, whenever you read one gospel... Always read the other gospel's account. Here in Mark 12, Mark 12, all right, I'll get there in a minute. Mark 12 and verse, start here in verse 41. This is about the widow's might. In verse 41, Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. Many that were rich cast in much. There came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which is the smallest of coins, which made her make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples and said unto them, Verily I say unto to you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want. Now, Evanzini will say, she wanted something. That's why she put her money in. You are an ignorant man. The word want is hysteresis. H-U-S-T-E-R-E-S-I-S. A lot of times the Bible will use the word want instead of the word need. This word here means penury, her poverty. She cast in of her poverty. She didn't want anything. That's not what she was doing. In fact, if you want to get the better version of it, go over here to Luke 21. Luke 21.
they take the Bible and wrench the Bible and twist it all to pieces so they can say, if you want something, you send us your money and God will give you what you want. No, he won't. Nope. He won't at all. Now, here in Luke 21 and verse 4. 21. Well, let's start in verse 3. Well, let's back up and start verse 1. And he looked up and saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites. And he said, Of a truth, I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. For all these have of their abundance cast in to the offerings of God. But she of her penury, her poverty, hath cast in all the living that she had. It means she was poverty stricken. Didn't mean she was wanting anything. She was trying to help the poor. That's one of the verses that they use. Now, I'm going to continue in this. I want us to go over here to Matthew. uh, Matthew, the 10th chapter. Mark, the 10th chapter, excuse me. Mark 10. All right. Mark 10. This is a verse that these guys use. There was a rich young ruler that came to Jesus. I'm going to read read quite a bit of this chapter. Starting in verse 23. Jesus looked around about and saith unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? The Bible says over in Luke 6, the 6th chapter, Warn you that are rich, you have your consolation. If you're seeking riches, you're seeking the wrong thing. Don't you fall in with these preachers that are saying this. How hardly shall he that hath riches? Well, what does it take to enter into the kingdom of God? First of all, you've got to be poor in spirit. You've got to be emptied out of self. How many rich people are emptied of self? You say, Jim, but I have to make a living. I didn't say that. I didn't say you shouldn't work hard. I believe believers should work harder than anybody else on their jobs. I believe you should work hard. You should get paid for what you work. Let me tell you a secret. You may not know this, but your boss knows who's doing the working. The preacher knows who does the work around the church. They always know. And that's the people that get the raises. And the disciples were astonished. Rich man entering in, it's difficult. It's hard entering into the kingdom. The Bible says over there in First Peter, the fourth chapter, if the righteous scarcely be saved... When people say it's easy to be a Christian, it is not. If the righteous scarcely, mogis, M-O-G-I-S, it's a form of M-O-L-I-S, which means with great difficulty. 
you're saved through a difficult life. You cannot go to heaven without tribulation. When Paul said we must through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God, that was in Acts the 14th chapter, verse 22. That's where they stoned Paul. The Pharisees stoned him and left him for dead. Now, most people think stoning means to go out and get a pile of rocks and throw them at him. That's not stoning. When they stoned someone, they took him up on a high precipice. That's a cliff, maybe 20 feet high. Threw him down, hoping to break their back or their neck. And if that didn't break them, they'd take great big stones, 20, 25, 30 pounds, and throw them down on them. Paul looked like he'd been in a car going 100 miles an hour, running into a brick wall. That's what stoning meant. Didn't mean to get high on drugs either. Now, now let's keep reading here. And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again and said unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter in the kingdom of God? When the Bible says we have to be we have to be crucified. He that beareth not his cross and followeth after me cannot be my disciple. You can't go to heaven without a daily cross. Daily cross comes when you tell people the truth. When you tell them Christmas is Christ's mass, it's paganism, it's Roman Catholicism. They're going to crucify you for that. When you tell them predestination is true and God does not love everybody, they're not going to like that. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter in the kingdom of God. Let me straighten something out with a lot of you here. The eye of a needle was not some gate in the side of the city where they had to, to unpack the camel's, uh, the camel's load and squeeze him through the gate. It's not it. That's something that was started by some people years and years ago, and it's just not true. They also had a saying in Israel, it's easier for an elephant to go through the eye of a needle. But they weren't running elephants in and out of Jerusalem. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, who then can be saved if this is supposed to be hard? It, it's, it is hard. It's hard to go to heaven. You can't go to heaven without, without trials, without a daily cross, without God beating you up. You've got an outer man. I love bringing this out. This is one of my favorite subjects in all of the New Testament. You have an outer man and an inner man. If you are a believer, if you're a believer, you're going to be struggling with obedience to God. You have an outer man and an inner man. Paul said this. He said, the outer man serves the flesh, and the inner man, if you are a believer only has the inner man that's Christ in you that's the new birth Christ in you that's the new birth and we were born again not of blood nor the will of the flesh nor the will of man but of God if you are not if you don't have Christ in you you're not wrestling with the flesh the outer man does everybody wrestle with what they do 
Is anybody here at wrestle with whether you're doing right or not? If you're not, you don't belong to God. I wrestle with myself daily. And I, being old, 80 years old, I don't want to do the things I used to want to do when I was 40. Much less 20. Guys, don't make me go to the fair. I just rather somebody would beat me with a whip out here on the parking lot than have to go to the midway. No. I hate going to garage sales and Mary says, let's go to this garage sales. Oh, man. I got all the stuff I need. All you get is more junk in a garage sale in it to take home and put in your garage till you have a garage sale. <laughs> you have to be wrestling. You have to be going through the narrow way. Narrow. Thalibo. Thalibo is a form of the word thalipsis. It's actually the the verb form of it's the noun form of thalipsis, which is the word tribulation. And without tribulation, you're not going to heaven. How's that for being blunt? You can't go to heaven without tribulation. When these words get in your heart. There in Matthew 12th chapter, of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When you start telling people the truth, they're not going to want to deal with you. They're not going to want to be around you. My mother and father didn't want to be around me before they died. My younger brother and my sister and my older brother didn't want me to talk about predestination around them. Jimmy, I don't want to hear that. Well, to me, without predestination, I don't have a life. That is, I live in predestination. God has predestined us to conform to His likeness. If I'm not conforming to His likeness, then predestination is not working in my life, and life is not worth living without that. Now let's keep reading here. And Jesus looking upon them saith, With men is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Hey, what's he talking about here? Rich men being saved. There wasn't many rich men in the Bible that were believers. There was one I can remember. His name was Joseph of Arimathea. He's the one that begged the body of Christ and is very wealthy. He said, I want to put him in my tomb. It's never been occupied. And he was a wealthy man. But very few of those come to the belief in Christ. Then Peter began to say unto Jesus, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, now this is a verse the Charismatics use to say, see, you're supposed to have lots of houses and lots of, lots of things and lots of money. But let me show you what it says. Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife 
our children are lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time. And boy, John and Vanzini gets a hold of it and say, you'll have a hundredfold houses. Let's finish this verse, okay? And brethren and sisters and mothers. Now, if the houses are literal, the mothers are literal, aren't they? So that means you're going to have to be born of a mother a hundred times more. You're going to have to be reincarnated or something like that. And houses, does that mean you're going to have a hundred houses? No. And children and lands? How can that be? Well, first of all, with persecutions. Oh, didn't like that, did you, Evanzini? And in the world to come, eternal life. Now, who is my mother and my brothers and my sister? Go to Mark 2. Mark the second chapter. Here's who it is. Mark the second chapter. Jesus was in this house. He was in a house. Excuse me, Mark 3, not Mark 2. I was thinking of the man born of 4. In verse 31, chapter 3, there came then his brethren and his mother standing outside, without means outside of where he was. They couldn't get to him. There was a big crowd. And sent unto him, calling him. And the multitude sat about him. And they said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren are outside the house seeking you, Jesus. And he answered them, saying, Who is my mother? If I'm going to have a hundred mothers, who is my mother? Or my brethren? And he looked round about on them which sat about him, saying, Behold, my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same as my brother and my sister and my mother. That's, well, who is our mother? Galatians, the fourth chapter says, Our mother is Jerusalem. Well, who is that? According to Hebrews, the Bible says, Hebrews, the 12th chapter, my mother, our mother is heavenly Jerusalem, the church of the firstborn. So who is my mother? I don't have anybody in the world that I'd rather be around than people here at Grace and Truth. I don't run around with people who don't believe in predestination, who don't believe in Christmas is pagan. What have I got to say to them? nothing this is my mother and my brothers and my sister right here I'm closer to everybody here than I was to Clyde I'm closer to everybody here than I was to Dean I would that's putting it very lightly I'm closer to everybody here than I've been to Janice I thought I was real close to her at one time 
when I've got brothers and sisters that believe these truths and I can sit down with you in comfort and read the Bible with you and you not arguing with me about Christmas or being pagan, and it is. Now, I want to continue this because I'm trying to show you what the Bible says about truth. There's a verse over here in the Old Testament. I want to go over to it. It's in Proverbs, the 18th chapter. This is one of the places where these people say you have to speak positive with your mouth. And this goes along with that verse over in the 17th chapter of uh, the 17th, the 7th, I'll get it right in a minute. For the 4th chapter of Romans, the 17th verse, that God quickens the dead and calls things that be not as though they were. Something that was not was something that was dead. And then it says, Abraham considered not his own body, now dead, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. The charismatics say, all you have to do is say it with your mouth and you get it. All you have to do is say, I am rich, I am rich, I'm going to have a Cadillac, I'm going to have a Cadillac. And you consider it already done. Then it'll happen to you. Do I believe that? That's the biggest bunch of liars walking. Kenneth Copeland is going to, I believe God is going to wind up one day, put him in his right hand, and throw him in as a fastball into hell. That's what he's going to do to me. I don't believe you can lie. One, There's one person in the Old Testament God never put up with that was false teachers or liars. You could be a a murderer, and God could forgive you. But if he's fixed your mind to be a false teacher, it takes years to develop that. And these guys, that charismatic bunch, this DBN up the street, I don't call it TBN, it is DBN, the Devil's Broadcasting Network. Because what they do, they distribute fortunes to themselves. Demon is the word D-A-I. M-O-N-I-O-N. It comes from the root dio, D-A-I-O, meaning to distribute fortunes. And that's what they're doing. They're stealing from the world. Now go over here to, to Proverbs, the 18th chapter. There's a verse here, and they say all you have to do is say things. I want to show you what it's about. I'm going through this charismatic thing. How much time do I have, Mike? Fourteen. I, I can't get through all of this, but I'll kind of start off with it. They go over to this verse in verse 21. And they use this. They say everybody has got positive and negative vibrations in their mouth. And they speak with their mouth. And if they speak negative... Uh, then you will get the negativity, negativity that you speak. If you speak positive, you get what you speak there. That is, that is a doctrine that came from the Far East. One preacher brought that over, and it 
caught hold with Kenneth Hagin and with Oral Roberts, and they started saying, all you have to do is say it with your mouth, and you get it. If you believe that, you're really a sucker. Because that doesn't work, does it? Nobody's ever tried that, have you? (laughs) Verse 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. You'll eat the fruit of your mouth is what you'll do. This whole chapter is talking about tail-bearing, talking about you can destroy somebody's life with your mouth, or you can bring life to them. It don't mean, it doesn't mean you can say something with your mouth and get it. And they take this verse, yank it out. I want us to go back to the beginning of this chapter. Won't be able to remember all of it. Read all of it. Through desire of man having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with wisdom. A fool hath no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. I just want what my heart wants. That's what the fool says. When the wicked cometh, then cometh also contempt and ignominy. Ignominy means disgrace. Reproach is the word disgrace. And the words of a man's mouth are as deep waters. The words of your mouth comes out of your heart. Of the abundance of heart, the mouth speaks. You should never be gossiping about anybody. It's like, uh, I've said this before, it's like Thumper said in Bambi. Remember Thumper, the rabbit? And he's, and uh, Bambi says, what did your mother tell you about gossiping? He said, if, if I can't say anything good about somebody, I shouldn't say anything at all. Well, you can call down false teachers, but you can't call down your brother and sister because you don't like the way they talk, the way they eat, the way they dress, unless they're dressing improperly, or you don't like something about them. You cannot gossip about people. That is a poison. Let me read on. The words of a man's mouth, that's what verse 21 is talking about. Words of a man's mouth are as deep waters and the wellspring of wisdom as flowing brook. It is not good to accept the person of the wicked. Accept persons. In the New Testament, the word the word respect of persons here's the word respect of persons pros apo l-e-p-t-e-o pros that's the word respect persons now people will say well, God wouldn't love one person over another. He certainly will. He loved Jacob and hated Esau before they were born. Respect persons and grace are not the same thing. Grace is unmerited favor where you don't merit it. Respect persons comes from pros, ops, and lepteo or lambano. These are the words that make up the words Respect persons. Lambano. 
Lambano means to take hold of. Ops is our word optical. That's what you see. It means to take hold of what you see and move toward that thing that's the exterior. What you see, that's the outside. Prosopon, P-R-O-S-O-P-O-N, which comes from this word prosopoliteo, is the word face or surface. The Bible says, man looks at the outward appearance, the Lord looks at the heart. Don't accept somebody because they're not pretty to you or they don't have as good a personality you think they ought to have. That has nothing to do with anything. Sometimes a real treasure is in a may not be the prettiest vase. Now, let's keep reading here. It is not good to accept persons. Nasa is the word, N-A-C-A-H, means to respect and to throw to overthrow the righteous in judgment. A fool's lips enter into contention. And his mouth calleth for strokes. The word stroke is the word that means to strike or punch somebody out. It's the word mahaloma. M-A-H-A-L-O-M-M-A H-A let me get this right. M-A-H-A-L-O-M-M-A-H. L-O-M-M-A-H. That's the word strokes. It means to hit somebody. To punch them out. <sighs> Fool's lips enter into condition and follow and called for a fight a fool's mouth can you see how death and life the power of the tongue is talking about all through here it's not talking about you can say something and get it. it has nothing to do with that a fool's mouth is his destruction and his lips are a snare of his soul the words of a talebearer nergon meaning to roll somebody to pieces n-i-r-j-a-n means to just roll them to pieces with your tongue. A talebearer, the words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Whew, do I ever know that? Sometimes somebody starts here, and I just start something here, and I just, I, I my stomach gets upset. I say, i got to deal with this. i got to call a meeting and deal with them. He is also he also is slothful in his work, his brother to him that is a great waster. Waster shall cause means decay or corrupt or waste. It's garbage. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous runneth to it and is safe. We're safe in Christ, in his name, in his shem, in his authority. The rich man's wealth is his strong city. His money is his strength. 
and as high a wall in his conceit before destruction the heart of the man is haughty and before honor is humility he that answereth a matter before he heareth it it is folly and shame to him listen to both sides first the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity but a wounded spirit who can bury it boy I've had that done to me by my friends the heart of the prudent getteth knowledge and the ear of the wise seeketh knowledge. A man's gift maketh room for him, and bringeth him before great men. He that is first in his own cause seemeth just. I want to be first. I want the best stake. I want to ride in the best place. I want what I want. But his neighbor cometh and searcheth him out and finds out what he's about. The lot causeth contention to cease. When they cast the lot, everybody agreed to it. That'll be the answer. It's like throwing dice and parteth between the mighty. A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. Once you've offended somebody, there's no need. The Bible says a little bird will take this that you speak in your chamber and will carry it. You can't keep things secret. Do you not know that yet? The least thing can happen. Well, do you know what she said? you know what he said? And their contentions are like the bars of a castle. A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and when the increase of his lips shall be filled... And then that verse 21, death and life are then the power of the tongue. You can actually destroy somebody with your tongue. We're not supposed to be doing that. The tongue is set on fire of hell. That's what James, the third chapter says. It's a deadly poison. It can build or tear down it's not that verse is not talking about you can get what you say if you say it with a positive attitude it has nothing to do with what the charismatics are talking about and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the lord the poor useth entreaties but the rich answereth roughly a man that hath friends must show himself friendly and there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother and that's Christ am I out of time two minutes I'm going to continue in this study I got many things to say about the charismatic believers they're not believers those are not preachers and they're not Christians they have no daily cross no debt to self no self denial I'm really tired of those people I've got more to say. I'm going to come back on them and talk about demons. There's no such thing as demons. The evil thing is in your heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know the things of a man? Nobody can know them. Until God reveals to you how wicked your heart is, if he never reveals that to you, you're not going to be a believer. You realize that? He has to... God has opened up... When he opens up your heart, 
It's not like, oh, the light's shining in and I just love the light. No, no, you see your wickedness in your heart. When God opens it up, you're going, oh, God, what a sinner I am. I want to come back. I've got some more things to say on the charismatics. I hope this paper will help you that I've given to you. The narrow way is the prosperity of God. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. Lord, help us to continue this work. As I'm getting older, Lord, I'm getting more tired. Give me strength to continue this. We'll praise you for everything you do. Fight our battles. I can't fight people, Lord, anymore. I just can't. You fight my battles. Lead us to your elect. In Christ's name we pray, man. Amen. Hope you can see these things about the charismatics. You may not know this or agree, but I am an expert on the Greek alphabet. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay, now look at this right here. That X, that's a CH, but they translate it to a K here and here. Well, that was just their translation. Yeah, but that's wrong. Well, but you got to... And here they put, that's a Z, and they put a B. Well, the thing is, they're not going to be able to say X. That's not an X. That's a... C-H. It's a... So they should have a C-H right there. No, they they don't do that. When they're translating, they're translated K. Right. Because C-H is K. And K in our language is K. Yeah. Oh, oh, I see what you're... They're just accommodating our language, I see. But here, that's a Z. That's an obvious Z right there. And they put a B. That's not a B right there. That's a K-Z. Yeah, C right there. That, yeah, but and that's they put it as a B right there. That's pronounced. I know that's a Z. Well, I don't know. No, See, that. That's the Z right there. That's not a B. Well, they've got it. Eula base is what it is. And see, but the E's are there and the S well, is there. That's an E and that's an La base. It's actually La base. Eula base. Yeah, but yeah, okay, but that's still a Z and not a B. Well, that's the way they wrote it down. It should be a B. 